Hi. Hi. <laughs> Long time no see. Yeah. It's time to start the music. It's time to light the lights. It's time to get things started on the Muppet Show tonight. That was excellent. <laughs> All right, we'll start there. What's up? Okay. <laughs> Just so I know where you're going. That was excellent. That was excellent. <laughs> yes. All right. I'm going to eat. That was. Talk. What do you want to ask me? Look at my eyeball. I don't know if you you probably can't tell because of my filter. What's wrong with your I have eyeball? a black eye from my son. What did he do, that violent boy? What did I he do? Know. He started recently started hitting, but he only hits me. He doesn't hit Mark. Jesus. And we're desperately trying to figure out how to stop it. Oh my god. And he picked up his like pet he has this toy pig that's like a rock hard figurine and he looked at me i was I, I was holding him and he looked at me he smiled and he went wham right into my eye i was like what the hell took everything in my power not to throw him across the room i was like wow no we do not do that we took away the toy wow like but he's so young. It's like hard to, you can't really discipline. Like we can only discipline to an extent. There's only, he doesn't get it. He still doesn't get <sighs> it. What? He does. He'll be like, sorry. <laughs> what? We're like, are you, did you hit mommy? Yes. Wow. Should so he you has hit like, me? he's like pure <laughs> id right now. Oh yeah. I'm like. Mark and I are at our wits guy. end. We're like, what the hell? Oh, hello. Hi, Tiki. He's very interested in my <laughs> tuna sandwiches. Oh, is that what you're eating? That's why he's here. Yeah, I told you. I have all these <laughs> tiny pieces of bread with like so much butter on them and tuna salad. Oh, oh that probably tastes so good. That's the best. Well, uh, I need <laughs> I something. Love I'm starving. Tuna is the best. If you're gonna, Mark was saying, if you were to have a food truck, he was saying, if you were to have a gourmet sandwich food truck, what would your like signature sandwich be? And I was like, oh. tuna melts. Oh, I love a tuna sandwich. melt. But you have to have really good like love me a good tuna melt. A type of cheese like a Swissy kind of. Oh yeah, you're gonna have Swiss it. cheese. It can't be cheddar. That's where it's at. Shit. It's got to be no. like has that tang. It has to be tang. Yes, 100%. we're in agreement. Um, what would my signature sandwich be? Thanks for asking, Brittany. Um, I did ask. I want to know. <laughs> I don't know. I have to think about that. Yeah, Mark put me on the spot. We were like just sitting at the around the fire at Planets, and he's like, "What would your signature sandwich be?" Oh, wow. And then he started asking everyone else and like everyone, everyone had a different opinion. Some people were like, it has to have something with pork. Yeah. 
Some people were like a club sandwich. Some people were like a veal sandwich. Mine would be, I used to make grilled cheese sandwiches. And I'd make it with a thin slice of ham. Oh, and a sweet relish and cheddar cheese. And you grill that. Oh, that would be good. It's so good because it has like that, that pickly crunch and the ham gives that kind of saltiness and the cheese is like gooey. It's really good. Really good. What do you do like a mayo with it or just the relish as your sauce? Yeah, no mayo. The thing you don't want to do is like serve it with a tomato soup on the side. Because tomato soup and grilled cheese sandwiches, it's like the best. It's like. Mm-hmm. comfort pure comfort so on our food truck so far we have a tuna melts and uh grilled cheese all right sounds great that's all we need those are was two excellent sandwiches honestly now that i'm as i was saying this I, I can't remember what his was oh you're such a bad wife i am a bad wife i got a text mark i'm gonna text him right now so he could tell me and he's gonna be like you don't listen to me what was your yeah, who cares? Tell Signature me what the fucking sandwich is. Food truck sandwich. What Mark and I went to a wedding while you're eating. Oh. I'll tell you about mm-hmm. the wedding we went to. Mm-hmm. We went to a wedding. It was really nice, actually. The it's a friend of Mark's from high school that he has been he's been friends with him since high school. He's one of the groomsmen in the wedding. It was really beautiful. It was really nice. No. I am no. um, I had to kill, so I dropped. Mark's mom came off a few hours early. I came over a few hours early, so I dropped I dropped Mark off at the hotel to get ready with the guys at eleven thirty, and I didn't have to be there until three. So I went to Oshawa Mall and like went shopping, and I got my hair blow dried. <laughs> it sounds like happened to me. It was really nice. It was wow. a really nice day. We had a real like. I just moment. like took my time. Yeah. That's great. So it was pretty sweet. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yes. But it was no Tiff. What oh, movie Tiff, did you see? It's okay. Uh, Tiff, I've been to Tiff. Like, I have this friend who has connections. He's probably talked about him before because I've been to movies with him. So he is connected to the entertainment industry. He's sort of a handler. He handles celebrities and he gets that's them so cool from one place to another so that they don't miss things like photo shoots and magazine covers and premieres and things, right? Yeah. So he has this sort of interesting experience. I still am not clear what he does exactly, but he knows everybody. Like he knows so many celebrities, yeah. right? Regardless, <clears throat> I know over the years he's worked at TIFF to sort of wrangle. He's a wrangler. They call him a, he's like a wrangler. Okay. What does he do outside of TIFF? Does he work in, in like hotel he management? He's a celebrity or, wrangler. Like that kind of thing? That's what he does. He's oh, a like that's like for all events. Not just TIFF. Yeah, I know. He brings people, he gets people to photo shoots for magazine covers. He does, you know, if somebody's looking for wrangling on a production of a show like this kind of thing so he handles them that's so cool how the heck do you get into something like that i think he's you know he grew up 
his lifestyle is very different. Like he grew up very like upper, upper, like up there. He's comes from. So it's not that surprising that he would get into no, something like that. I honestly, I'd love to ask him how this all happened, but he still remains a bit of an, a mystery to me in many ways. And I'm trying to foster a friendship with him because I know him through other people. And I just, I'm trying to think like, how, like, what do we have in common? So I'm just kind of interviewing him as a friend, you know, to see, but he always includes me and Greg in all kinds of these fun things. Like, I think it was last year, he got us these VIP tickets to a showing of a a movie that was being shown in an outdoor theater space. And we got these, you know, we, pair of Adirondack chairs and a table with a charcuterie board and snacks and drinks. What? And it's like, it was very fancy. And you had Hugo Boss. It was, it was, um, sponsored this sounds by amazing. It was sponsored by Hugo Boss. So we had like blankets that you could unroll and it was all Hugo Boss blankets and pillows. And you can sat on these chairs outside and, and watch this did you get movie on the stars. Yes. Yes, we did. And there was a so swag cool. bag, you know, the whole thing. And we had our names what on the, the chairs. And yeah, no, I'm saying like, you can't, I can't do it anymore unless I'm treated this way. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So he took me to this movie last night that was at the Royal Alexander, Alexander Theater, the Royal Alex. And it's called Sing Sing. And it's about... It's a movie about, it's called Rehabilitation Through the Arts, and it's a theater program that was introduced to Sing Sing Prison in the 90s. So they take, they recruit inmates to come and put on productions a couple of times a year. So every six months, they'll do a play. So it never ends. So you do one play, and then you do another play. Like, it's because it takes a long time to get the people and figure out what play you're going to do, do the exercises, rehearsal, assign the roles, et cetera, right? Yeah, that's so a it's huge like, production. It's like, yeah, so it takes you along this journey of these guys putting on this show, right? And yeah, the interesting thing about it, have you ever seen a show called, well, have you seen Fear the Walking Dead? Yes. Okay. So there's an Not actor the whole by, thing, but quite a bit of it. There's an actor by the name of Coleman Domingo, who is one of the main cast uh he's an african-american guy he speaks spanish he was also in euphoria and he's been in other movies he's famous oh yeah 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 i recognize him so he's the lead character and then there's another guy in it that's also an actor and then another dude that plays the director or facilitator of the whole thing and then the rest of so is this sorry is is this so it's not a documentary no but the rest of the cast okay. makes up the the RTA or the Rehabilitation Through the Arts alumni. So these guys were former inmates at Sing Sing. That's really who participated cool. in the program. They are in the movie, yeah. playing these characters, playing these parts. And I think it's a play that they actually did when they were in prison. They do this production. Regardless, it was wow. absolutely like, you know, at the end, you're crying, you're clapping, like people, like all of them were there. They were all there. Yeah. And it was so heartwarming and inspiring and like really such a positive vibe. And the people, there's one guy in this movie. 
Yeah. That plays against Coleman D- Domingo, who's not necessarily a trained actor. He's a prison, like he was a gangster who was in a prison. Yeah. But he is phenomenal. Like he's phenomenal. He's absolutely that's so cool. He has this incredible magnetism and like he has something about him that's really special. And um it's exciting. It was really exciting. And then I found out today I ran into my friend. He told me that he fucked up. He didn't read the fine print of the invite. And we were supposed to go to the after party with everybody there, but we didn't go. No. I was like, PJ, you're <laughs> no. That would have been so cool. You kidding? Anyway. Oh my god. I said, well, next time, next well, time, you know. Still, just the fact that you were there is really cool. No, it was cool. The theater was amazing. The vibes were great. Everybody was enthusiastic. The writing yeah. of the movie was really good. Like, it, there was a lot of really funny, like, humorous moments. Like, even though they're in prison, all this really devastating, traumatic things, blah, blah, blah. It was, like, really funny. There were so many funny parts. And it was really sweet, yeah. you know? So it's I'm really hoping cool it's the alumni too that they actually use oh. the actual Brittany when they came people out who went through the program they came out That's on amazing. stage it's like oh my god it was like listen i'm gonna tell you this i have what's that called an achilles heel when it comes to movies specifically and i am a big suck i cry all the time like regardless but and i was like <laughs> but the one thing that's gonna guarantee me bawling is when you show me a movie that's based on a true story, and then at the end of that movie, you show me the actual people, I yeah. lose it. I lose my shit. Same. Even when it comes up in the like credits where they put like side by side, where they show like the actual person oh, versus my the, god, like, oh yes. my god. Like I can't give a little backstory how they're doing now. I can't. Like, like oh. yeah. Oh my god, I can't. So and so went on to do this, and you're like, it's like oh, amazing. Um, <laughs> what was it? Schindler's List at the end of Schindler's List. And all the I've people. I've not seen that movie in a very long time. But all the people at the end were actually portrayed in the movie and they're there putting stones on the graves. And I was just like, oh, it just devastated That's on me. another level, I feel like. It was devastating. Yeah. And I was just like, but it wasn't the same. Is like that's... when you see them, there's a there's a resilience, right? Like that resilience is like yeah. awe-inspiring. And it's the same thing with oh yeah for sure this movie I'm just gonna say this thing because you hear people talk about acting and I'm an actor and they're like acting all the time acting acting you get kind of bored with all yeah. like, oh okay go act somewhere else like they're just a everyone's bit, an actor <laughs> you know you're a theater girl so you know it's like very yeah. um there's something kind of off putting about the vibe of like I'm an or like just very <laughs> taking themselves so seriously but this yeah. movie this movie was like it was like helped me define what acting is by watching these people learn how to express their feelings in a safe space and just like work yeah. through their emotions and stuff and I was just like wow this is like the coolest way so the whole point was that the main guy who started it in the 90s, he said that the recidivism rate in American prisons is like 95%. So most people who go in and come back out, go back in. 
Yeah. And he said, of the of the over That's the crazy. since they started this program at this particular prison, the recidivism rate is less than three percent or something like that, based because of this program. And it's like wow. it's the proof is in the pudding, right? Like just helping people to work through their shit. And it's yeah. amazing. It's amazing. And it's actually re- rehabilitating rather than just like <laughs> them going through the motions just to get out of there well it helps them connect to their process a bit yeah you have to you know because it's such an inhumane place i was just about to say i can't imagine that being a very humane environment oh honey you don't nobody wants to know and we're like no privileged white ladies here like we don't i mean what who am i true I just True. know that I don't want to go to jail and I just, I have a very healthy fear of authority. And Same. even when I see, have how are you We've when you talk about in front this. of a police officer? <laughs> I'm like, just pass me, please pass me. I don't please want to pass me. So I'm barely going the speed limit. I'll pull over, <laughs> just like turn the corner to get rid to, so I don't have to be followed. Want to talk about this episode? <laughs> I am curious about how this is going to go because I thought this episode was so funny. <laughs> but then there's other things that we'll, we're going to talk about that I was like, this is not appropriate. Anyway. Um, uh, yes. One thing in particular with Booth oh, and anyway. Oh, I know exactly one thing what he says. I'm like, I know. Mark watched it with me and I was like, what did he just, just say? said that <laughs> i didn't even i didn't write it down in my notes as i was like i'm not going to repeat what he said it was so bad but no we it was may so have bad. To. okay anyway we we'll get to. to it regardless let's let everybody we in. will get to it and welcome everyone to this episode of Squidcast. i am kelly i'm Brittany, and i've just finished eating eighteen thousand little pieces of bread with tuna salad on top and currently drinking a kombucha. What are you eating right now, Brittany? I have a Your salad, salad that I haven't touched. Oh, well, maybe it's we'll my get salad from dinner. Work on that salad <laughs> while we're talking. But we're going to talk about today, Bones, Season 3, Episode 5. The Mummy in the Maze. Da, 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 da. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Can you hear me? Ooh. Ooh. Yes. Did you hear me? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I was worried you wouldn't be able to hear me because my microphone is a bitch. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> uh, as I said, very funny Halloween episode. Are we excited about this Halloween situation? Yes. I'm I really, it. really excited about this <laughs> Halloween situation. Did you watch it again to take notes? I watched this episode like in total, probably like six times. <laughs> <laughs> Between like the original time I watched it years ago, then I was sick and I like binge watched all of season three. And then I watched it again two weeks ago. And then. I think I watched it again last week. My and then I watched God. it again last night. I feel like that's five times only. My there God. Was a sixth time. My God. It's, it's very good. I thought it was, I, when I figured out it was a Halloween episode, I thought I was going to be terrified, but 
Um, I thought for sure. I don't know. I thought that it was going to be terrifying and that it wasn't. I we started was wondering with the first scene. Uh, yeah. This little boy in the first scene, I thought that's how I was going to be the whole episode. I was worried so about scared. you. I was worried about you. <laughs> I was thinking about you. My thoughts and prayers were with you. I, I was very concerned, <laughs> especially during like the funhouse stuff. Okay. So <laughs> let's just begin because I, I think we're going to have fun talking about this. So what I is happening so in our opening scene, Brittany? Our opening scene starts with us finding out that we are at a Halloween maze. It is Halloween and there are tons of kids in costumes of all sorts of costumes. There's some kid dressed as like a bride, some kid dressed as a bear. Anyway, there's lots of weird looking costumes. So we start out by following this kid. It's from this perspective, the perspective of this, this poor kid who his name out name we find out later is maddie he's dressed as a bear and you got the kid's name you're so funny they they talk about it later because he passes out and the pediatrician sees him so so we find out so we, we see the maze from this kid's perspective because he is so scared he's having a panic attack his parents like that are terrible this is bad parenting. Like, go face your fears. Bye. Screw you. Go ahead. Go in. Can I say? Can I say? <laughs> yes. I I thought this was exactly the same thing. I thought two things. Halloween is the best holiday. And second, where are the adults to help this kid out of the maze once he starts crying for help? Like, seriously. He just, and he's like, like he could have just turned around and gone straight back out. Like, but he keeps going deeper into the maze, and like it's getting worse and worse. And he just keeps going deeper into the maze, and he's freaking and the people, out. The people who work there are jumping and scaring him. It's just like no, a normal person would be like, like, "It's okay, buddy. Let me walk you back out to see you your parents. Okay? Are you okay? Where's your mother?" Oh boy! Instead, some skeleton in an electric chair is like. <laughs> Anyway, so and some Grim Reaper also jumps out of them. Yeah. Anyway, it turns out, no surprise, this kid comes across a mummy and a spider very creepily falls out of this mummy's eye and this poor kid screams and faints <laughs> and now faints. has PTSD. You hear him thud, don't you? I'm 100%. Plus, I'm just going to say, I don't know if you're familiar with the movie Spaceballs, but... I've seen character- it multiple times, yes. Okay. <laughs> just checking. It's an old movie. I'm just making sure. It is um, an old movie. It's not in black and white, though, so... I right. Have seen so there's it. a character played by John Candy, <laughs> and he wears, like, the Wookiee costume, but he looks like a big dog. And that's what I thought this kid would look like. He looked like John Candy in Spaceballs. <laughs> How he's He dressed. totally does. <laughs> you're totally right. Anyway, kid faints. I feel bad for him. The spider was hilarious. Terrified. He was so terrified. No, too much. It was too much. I was like, (sighs) no. I hope he's okay. That's all I'll say. So the next scene, we have uh, Booth and Brennan. They show up to this maze, and it's completely cordoned off by uh, law enforcement, of course. Booth is wearing his casual Friday outfit, which I love. I didn't check out the t-shirt. I don't know what it said, but it was probably something 
gum. And they enter the maze <laughs> with this dude who we find out is a pediatrician and a coroner. And he has a walkie-talkie. He's communicating with whoever is standing by the mummy somewhere in the maze. And he apparently helped this fainting boy earlier. Why is your camera zooming? Something. Oh my God. No, we'll come back. That's so creepy. Is there no, a ghost? During the Halloween episode. Yeah. Why is this happening to me? That is so funny. I'm back. I'm sorry, but this Zoom situation makes me laugh. I gotta. What if I close this? Okay. Maybe there was a ghost oh, outside. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we got uh, here? So he's this doctor, pediatrician slash coroner, kind of spars with Brendan a little bit. They have a little sparring session where, you know, she's like uh questioning his qualifications to identify a dead body he's like hello i'm a coroner relax and then he kind of he's sort of like brennan in the way he explains things right like he's being very factual and scientific and the way he's explaining to her why he thinks it's a, a human person and she's like oh okay at least she just accepts it but there this is not important to me because what we find out in this conversation is that there is a Halloween ball at the Jeffersonian that Brennan never misses and has a specific costume that she likes to wear for this celebration. And Booth is attending as well. That's all that of matters course. to me. I mean, I also cared about finding out about the boy. Apparently, Maddie did just fine. He's walked fine. away once they brought He's him. fine. <laughs> once they... Because at first, Brennan... When they're talking about the boy, Brennan thinks that the boy is the reason she's been brought there. And she's like, okay, that's not Bones. Like, why am I here? Anyway, the kid's fine. All good. But they're having trouble finding this mummy because they're trying to go through this maze. And this the guy who is so funny. the deputy who's trying to direct them is, like, giving horrible directions. They're totally lost. And so Booth gets sick of this and is like, okay, tell this guy to throw his... Tell him over the walkie-talkie that you have, Dr. Potoska, that he should just throw his flashlight up in the air and then we can at least see where he is. And then we can determine where to go from there. Right. Because the directions are not working. So he does that. And then they're like, okay, yeah, we just go this way. And he's like, ah, uh, people, like, these are not solid walls. And he just, like, <laughs> jumps into this, oh my God. these bales of hay. <laughs> Booth knocks down these Hey, bale walls like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> it made me he laugh. Literally runs through them. So <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Like, everybody's like looking around, like not saying anything. I just thought it was so funny. <laughs> Where he just pops. And then they go, it's so funny. He takes it one step further, too, because then they finally do see the mummy. It's gross and awful, and they conclude that it is, in fact, yes. a real live human not live real human woman mm -hmm. girl that's been mummified um and so he's like okay like now we got to get back to the car you know what i got this handled and like beeps his car and just smashes through another wall turns out they could have just taken down like 
two bales of hay. It was literally over next them, and they to the been parking the lot. It was right next to the parking <laughs> lot. And I love, okay, first, Booth busting through these bales of hay cracked me up so hard. I thought it was so funny. And I was also thinking, similar to what we were talking about earlier, but our our fear of authority, I would never think to do this. I would never bust the bales of hay walls down. Oh. I would die in the corner of a maze lost forever before I even thought to do that because we would be there together. I would be like, <laughs> well, I don't want to ruin it and I might get in trouble and all those things. Whereas I'm sure Greg, his whole family would light it on fire or something like that. <laughs> anyway, with us in it, trying to escape, trying to figure out how to get to the mummy. I'd be like, hey, 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 right. are the police there? <laughs> so after we find Booth's car, we have our intro. Bum, 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 bum. Good start to the episode. I'm feeling excited about this episode. You know what? I was just like, it was like a relief that it was so It's very light. It was very joyful. And I really enjoyed like how everybody was having fun. Everybody was having a good time. So even the guy who played the pediatrician corner was funny. Like he was funny. It's only Zach that's struggling in this episode. Truly, he's in a different TV show right now. <laughs> Zach is having a hard time. I agree. So we end up back at the lab. Back at the lab. <laughs> and Cam and Zach are checking out the mummified remains. We are trying to make a um, an ID, but we do know that it is a... We at this point we find out that it is a girl. Anyway, Hodgins is also chatting with them, and they're trying to figure out. They they talk a little bit about what they're gonna wear, but for the most part, Cam is basically just telling them that they have no choice, but they have to come in costume to do their job, basically, because there's gonna be lots of donors, benefactors, etc., that are gonna be at this event. So they have no choice but to come to the Halloween party that we were talking about earlier. That Brennan and Booth are going to be at. Apparently, Zach is going to be a cow with Naomi from paleontology. Very interesting. He's the back of the cow and she's the front of the cow. I have so many questions. <laughs> have you ever met Naomi? Was she no. in season one? Episode was three, she boy in a tree was hitting on at one point. She wasn't the one in boy in a tree where he had to learn how to learn what she meant by leave her alone, basically. Oh, I hope not. Now I want to. Can you I find that out while I while I move forward with this? You um, move forward and continue to tell about this episode. Regardless, we have. Um, Hodgins also doesn't put up a crazy fight about this party. He's actually 
totally fine with attending, which is interesting. So Hodgins and Cam are removing the cloth from this mummified body, and they smell cedar oil, which apparently was used in mummification in the past. The body is also covered in a coat of varnish, basically. It's like lacquered, painted. Is it? Your face. Yes? You have a good memory. It is her. <laughs> because he, they had sex. Yeah, boy in a tree. Prior to the events of Boy in the Girl. Tree. I forgot about that. But they were she was standing there. Back to him. They were all standing there waiting for a case. They were bored because they had nothing to do. And then Booth and Brendan brought a case in and they they sent Zach off to go to the school. Remember? Yes, I do remember now. I completely forgot. And she told him to that is insane. basically leave her alone. And everybody was telling her him to just keep bugging her and i was like no except for angela and so he took angela's advice i guess i guess so (laughs) Uh, okay sorry where were we at uh the body's coated in varnish hodgins figures out that the clothing is secondhand based on a price tag they have this argument where like oh he says this the hand is uh sorry the clothes are secondhand from some church sale and they're all like wow how do you know that from all your particulates and zach's arguing like there's no way you'd know that and then Dodgins shows them like a price tag that's on the clothes anyway there's a lot of this going on in this uh episode so to have two questions why is Hodgins helping with this process i don't understand and Hodges somehow stakes his claim as king of the lab in this moment because he fooled Zach. This is this is something that they love to do, this whole king of the lab thing. Wait till you it's hear nice who that my king of the lab is. Is it Hodgins? <laughs> Don't be daft, not love. Tell me until the end. Don't be daft, love. <laughs> It's going to be Hodgins. Okay, so. Hello? Did I hit it with my nose? No. No, Okay, all good. I got you, babe. All good. Okay, so. Should we go and check out? Yes. I'm sorry. Hodgins does defer to Cam and calls her the empress of the lab. And she she nods her head like, yes, like a royal queen. Like, yes, I am the empress. Like, (laughs) yes, yes, I I am. I think it's so funny how she's like. She's so tolerant of these two idiots. I just love it. She wasn't at first, but then I think she saw their value and was like, okay, they can do whatever they want, I guess. But so they end up at a church thrift store thing. It's It looks like it's in the basement of a church. Anyway, there's a bunch of clothing racks at this thrift store. And we're talking with a pastor named Pastor Bill Jonas. <laughs> And Brennan is being actually fairly respectful, which is quite incredible that she would be respectful around a religious person. And Booth is on edge because he thinks that she's going to say something that is going to upset this pastor. But basically, around this time... Take a drink. And basically... (laughs) Not this again. (laughs) So... They sell all these costumes. At this time, they do a very strange thing during this year where they dress as 
they do a Halloween hell house. So Brittany. They, they, it's so strange. So they Don't dress act like you've never back. heard of a hell house before. I haven't. This is really? the first time I had heard of it. Really? Yeah. And you come from Seriously. where you come from and you've never heard of a Halloween hell house before? <laughs> I've not heard of a Halloween hell house. Oh my God. It's they true. are famous in these Christian churches where they do these stupid plays, they're like morality plays where they try to scare kids about abortion and drugs and like drinking. This is an actual thing? Yeah. There's a, been a, there's a whole documentary about it and how crazy, like... Like it's crazy how fundamentalist, like it's wild. It is wild. insane. There's this Let girl that walks up. by and he's like, excellent prostitute, Stephanie. I'm like, what? this is what I mean. <laughs> it was so funny. Like that is so funny. <laughs> excellent prostitute. Excellent prostitute. They ask. So this Halloween hell house apparently is a real thing. I did not know it existed. Booth is asking them if asking him if anyone's ever dressed like a mummy because that would be quite helpful because <laughs> that might help ID the, the victim. But the pastor uh, claims that they've never featured a false idol room, although this seems to give him a good idea. So he's pretty excited about that. Anyway, Brennan seems oddly on board with this priest. It's very odd. None of the kids have disappeared. This guy's not all that helpful. They're not really going to get anywhere from this visit but are we supposed to be seeing growth from brennan where she's actually uh not mocking religion for once well no she she i don't know if she ever i guess she's not really mocking it but she asked him a question about how you know, this is horrific yeah. how can you do this but uh, talking about the false idols and then she argues that you know the was it the egyptians had this whole yeah process like thousands and thousands of years ago which predates christianity so they have this back and forth she's the same back yeah. and forth with the pediatrician earlier and she's having these um challenging conversations and then what was the question she asked him about um she's faith? asking about abortion so if the children that you save from abortion grew up to be oh. um <laughs> usurers and sodomites yes that yes what happens it's like are you gonna would you help them out or whatever anyway he does answer her once he realizes that she's being serious and basically says that he hopes that they would have the opportunity to repent for their sins and become part of the church and be forgiven basically for their sins okay anyway, so and just so, so that know. brennan's like oh well i thank you and booth is shocked and that's the scene yeah, they had a very friendly discussion. So here's the documentary. It's called Hell House. It's from 2001. Uh, each Halloween, youth members of Trinity Church in Texas construct a Hell House, a modern-day fire and brimstone sermon presented in the form of a haunted house seen by over 10,000 visitors each year. So they do, the problem is, of course, they do abortion, homosexuality, all these things to ward children away and scare them off of doing like any of that stuff right so it's oh, sort of uh, a little bit weird i agree and they do revel in it the documentary is quite fascinating actually they get really into it i have never heard of this i probably would find that very interesting you definitely would that's for sure 
So huh? what else we got going on here? Now we get to meet Amber Kipler. All right. Amber <laughs> Kipler. The weirdest we character of this whole episode. Here we have our also, B. What? Yes. Sorry. It's okay. Go. Something horrible has happened. Sweets is not in this episode, and that really okay. upsets me. We can talk about that, too. Okay. I think we'll get we there. really... I'm going to bring it up later, but there's something that we really are missing in this episode. Okay. Particularly with this character. So we are, okay. uh, we have our B plot with Angela and Hodgins and a, a PI, a private investigator, uh, Tipler, Kipler, Kipler, Kipler. Yes. Kipler. Kipler. Yeah. Amber Kipler. I just called her the PI the whole time. I didn't give her a yeah. name. So they're looking for Angela's husband. Hodgins is paying this firm to look for this guy. And Hodgins is pissed because the head of the agency has sent this woman because he expected that the head of the agency would be looking for him. And she's like, no, no, no. I'm the perfect woman for the job. And she to be, proves it. To be fair, the guy did, like, we met Doily. We met Doily from terrible. Doily Private Investigations. He was terrible. He was awful. I love that actor, though. He's in lots of great stuff. But, <laughs> it, like, he present, he did, in my mind, because he met with them in that way, in my mind, I thought he was going to be the private investigator. So when they, what it took me until, like, the third time I watched this to realize that this was a person that worked for him and that it wasn't what? just a totally different new PI, despite oh. their dialogue. Despite anyway, the dialogue, it took you a while, eh? Yeah, just I think I was not fully paying attention. Possibly. And like the third time I was watching it, I was like, oh. oh so question. Sense. Anyway, sorry. Question. What was that actor doing that he couldn't reprise his role as the PI in this show? Like, what was he doing, a movie or another show at the time? Who knows? I wonder, they, the show Once Upon a Time, he was a big character in that. I wonder if that started at the time. Huh. So they have this woman who's going to help them out by finding Angela's husband. This She somehow impresses them by revealing some information about Angela's real name or that her, her name isn't actually her real name because she dreamt up the name. And she found this out from one of Angela's lovers from college who happens to be a woman, which makes Hodgins like get all fired up. They're having this meeting at the Royal Diner, which is weird. It's so uh -huh. weird. So apparently the investigator has found the husband, the Hodgins one, and then Hodgins wants the PI or Kipler to go to Florida and get him to sign the divorce papers. And he wants her to use like any means necessary to do it and ask her if she has a gun and all this stuff. And then Angela goes, actually, no, I need you to ask you know, him to like try to persuade him to sign the divorce papers. And then he, Hodgins looks at Angela and he goes, what are you Canadian? Like he's, he's so, he just wants these papers signed regardless. This is our B plot. We have this PI on the case. I have questions about this husband of Angela's. I'm going to ask one now. Okay. Do we ever meet this man? No. Okay. I don't think so. I'm I'm almost certain we do not. Do you know what that means? That means that this whole theorem thing is absolutely yeah. ridiculous. 
Oh, I'm lying. What? We do meet him. Oh, okay. I hope we do. I hope he's a big strapping. Who plays him? Can you tell me? He's played by Sean Blakemore. S-H or S-E-A? S-E-A-N. Sean Blake? He was on General Hospital. He's not a... He doesn't seem like he's been in a lot. Wow, yes. Okay. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes, So we first meet him. Beautiful. Perfect. He's perfect. Yeah, he is perfect for the role. We first meet him in season four, episode one. All right, so let's leave it at that. Spoiler. So it takes us a while. Spoiler. Anyway, Sorry. It's this is okay. All this to say, I'm gonna let you take over this next scene, but Ruth says the most hilarious thing in this next scene that I couldn't stop laughing. There's a couple things that made me laugh really hard in this episode, and this is one of them. Booth and Brennan are now chatting about the uh, conversation that they just had at the thrift shop with uh, the nice pastor. Mm -hmm. And basically, Booth is absolutely trying to piss Brennan off, in my opinion. (laughs) He's saying, wait, the... How didn't that pastor guy make you mad? And she's basically telling him no, like everything was fine. She's he's trying to get in her head a little bit. I think. I think he's all she cares about is out of her. Oh yeah, hundred percent. This is a line, Brittany. You rushed over it. Where they're talking about religion, faith, feelings, all these things, right? Is that where they talk about the feelings, or is that later? Regardless, yes, yes, it is where we no, they do talk about feelings. Yeah, what I can taste, see, touch. Yes. So she says she's talking about how she believes in sort of tangible scientific evidence, and he believes in emotions and feelings. And anyway, they have this argument that's so funny. And she said, "Yes, it's a scientific fact," and he goes. You know, that's all you care about is science. And I just thought that was so funny. Like, the way he said it, <laughs> he was so funny. You know, that's all you care about is science. I'm like, yeah, that's all she cares about. <laughs> that's literally her job. But I wasn't sure if he was, like, being annoyed with her or if he was actually joking. I couldn't tell. I think he was being, to me, it was that she was he was being annoyed with her. Yes, I know. So but it didn't was, even it, it didn't even jump out to me because I was like, oh, he's just like in a bad mood. <laughs> it came off like so funny to me. It was so funny. Basically, this is all just a way to buy time before Cam can call. And Cam, yes, go ahead. Cam calls. Okay, and Cam's calling because she desperately needs them to come back as soon as humanly possible. Because she has a person there, or she has a couple there, sorry, who believes that it is their daughter that they found, even though she only disappeared a week ago. And yeah, so if there's, Cam's like, if there's a siren on that thing, do it now. There's a reason why I'm not a pediatrician. Hurry up. (laughs) Yes. So Cam calls. I have two things. Booth looks at his phone for so long when he's driving. He's looking at his phone while he's talking to her. 
A, B. Can you find out when Bluetooth was invented? Because this... It's so say, brutal. They always talk. Yeah. And like, you would have died. Like, they would have had a car accident so fast. Third. When did Cam? Bluetooth come out in cars? 2001. Cam? Okay. Here we go. This is a problem, especially because he's an FBI guy. So Cam says she's not comfortable with dealing with people. But I'm like, are you kidding me? She's so good with people. She manages a whole team of weirdos. And I feel like she should have Most cars own... not until 2009, though. Sorry? Most cars didn't have Bluetooth until 2009. And this episode Regardless. is 2007. Okay, so carry on. Sorry. Okay. Are we done with the Bluetooth? I apologize. I'm I should done. have let yes, you Yes, sorry. I'm so sorry. Yes, Don't be sorry. We're both sorry. <laughs> it's all terrible. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Cam is great with people. She should have a whole other show of her with other anthropologists like forensic anthropologists working with them because there should be a show just about cam working with all these teams because she's the director of the whole institute it's not just like these people you know what i mean anyway that's true i just think this whole idea that cam's not good with living people is not i don't think that's the right narrative for her personally to me it wasn't that she's not good with living people it was that she's not good with people who are going through trauma Okay. The way that these people would have been. I accept That's your argument. I, I accept your argument okay. and I will agree with you at this time. Okay. Is I think this one time. <laughs> <laughs> so but Hodgins, she is, like you never. said, I think she's pretty good with people. Yes. Hodgins, you'll come around to. Nope. Never. She said. Never. <laughs> one day. Never. So unfortunately so the megan shaw is the person who disappeared a week ago Mm. she's 14 years old and they are they saw that a body was found of a teenage girl and they the mother claims that she just knew it was megan and she knows that her daughter is dead and to me this episode has been very light and funny to me i thought that was a bit much (laughs) She's like, I just know. I'm her mother. I know she's dead. I'm like, okay. Slow down. <laughs> well, Calm also, down. can I say this? Is this where I wrote this? I'm sorry. No, you're it's good. Not where, it's not where I wrote this. I can, um, I'll say it now, though. This, their daughter, Megan, has been missing for a week. She's a young, white, teenage girl. This would be national news, given our racist media. We would, there would, her face would be everywhere. Like, literally. Her face would be everywhere. Everyone would know that their daughter was missing. At least in Canada, there would be like an Amber Alert. There would be a whole thing. No, no, everywhere. Like a young teenage girl goes missing. Like it would be national news. It's just very strange. This is the one part, and I'm going to, I was going to bring it up later, but I'll bring it up later. I'm sorry. But I just find it. No, no, I want to hear. Odd that we have a missing girl. And it's like, news that 
it's like oh this girl is missing we've never heard of that before and no one is there's no sense of urgency about it there's a level of kind of it'll come up later but i'm just saying yeah this is interesting there's also if a 14 year old goes missing they would have someone like they, they would have a contact with the police i would think so they could reach out to that contact through the police. They wouldn't and not be go going to the, the Jeffersonian, <laughs> no, and talking with these people. It's just, it's very weird. This part, I felt. Yeah. They, they take saying, the opportunity okay. at least to show. Can, can I just say one thing? I'm sorry, Brittany. I apologize for interrupting. Yeah, no, no. I am only saying that she's a white young teenage girl. I'm just saying because our media tends to go insane with these missing yeah. children that are white and young and pretty and that young yeah that's true i you wonder know? though is it different in the states versus canada no it would be so sensationalized it would be all over the news are you kidding true that's crazy. especially since we find out not that's not that long after this we find out that there are multiple missing girls from the same location young you would think that that teenage would- girls you would think that a journalist somewhere would have put that together and made a story out of it. Or the FBI would know that these girls the are FBI. missing and there would be a file and bop, bop, bop. You know what I mean? Like there would be yeah. something. No, you're right. Well, because no one is on the case, Angela has made a sketch of this mummy and she, she decides to show these horrified parents to see if maybe they know who that girl is that went missing a year prior to their daughter's disappearance <laughs> this would not happen this would no not happen. the dad's like oh no yeah that's definitely not megan i don't think they'd show them a <laughs> sketch of some woman and say oh this is the one we found in the maze they're not going to tell them stuff about the investigation and stuff oh it's crazy i feel like the mother is like my daughter is dead i know she's dead and the dad is like okay crazy like he seems so relieved that this picture that angela's showing is not his daughter oh my god because unlike the mother he thinks that she's still alive i guess like manage your expectations if you think your daughter is dead and she shows up alive it's like jesus christ (laughs) anyway brennan gets a call and we end up back at Shoreline Amusement Park where we started. Oh boy. <laughs> no, we didn't start at the shoreline. Anyway, did we? This is our first visit. Is it this our first visit? Just the Oh no, maze? sorry. This is the first no, you're right. The maze is in a separate location. Yes. It's a second location. What? First visit. I hit my, as I was saying, first visit, I smacked my microphone mute button with my nose. Um, okay. Okay. So. so this is our first visit of many to Shoreline Amusement Park. And they are there because another, it has been reported that there is another body that has been found. This very nice woman had a panic attack when she saw the body and she has some credibility because she's a nurse and she is certain that she saw this dead body inside the dungeon of a thousand corpses. Yes. Yes, Kelly. <laughs> but this is another situation like Brennan had with the pediatrician and coroner, like she had with the priest. She has these sparring matches. So she's 
questioning the nurses, like maybe you're freaking out because you've had too much, you're too stimulated. Uh, maybe, yeah. you know, you need to relax. And she tells her to lose weight and she does all this stuff, like got to <laughs> calm down. Maybe, are you sure what you saw? I mean, this is a house of a thousand corpses, so maybe you're wrong. And the nurse is like, yeah. screw you. I'm a nurse. I know what a dead body looks like. Go to hell. But they find out in this moment. Brennan should she, gain also, weight, by the way. She's, yeah, she's so savage. She's like, um, yeah, plus uh, on top of you having a panic attack, maybe you should just lose some weight. And it's like, Brennan, compassion. I'm like, jeez. This is, uh, anyway, it was a little awkward. Um, So it is time to go into the dungeon of a thousand corpses. No, it's not time, Brittany. I'm sorry. Because... Well, almost. We're going to talk a little bit with this. I keep forgetting what they're called. Paramedic. We're going to talk a little with the paramedic. We're going to do okay. a couple things. Yes. But, uh, yeah. Um, did we, do you want to talk about Booth's fear? Okay. So anyway, this woman, the nurse who saw the dead body, who's had a panic attack or whatever, she's got this oxygen mask on her and the EMT keeps telling her, like, keep it on your face because she keeps lifting it off her face to talk to Booth and Brennan. He's like, keep the oxygen mask on. Stop it. Stop it. This EMT that is treating this woman is actually quite handsome. He's very good looking. And he has. He's I. <laughs> I'm just looking at my notes because basically. Oh, my God. I said it. Basically. You said basically. <laughs> anyway, regardless. Come After to the dark whole side. woman should lose weight piece, uh, I thought Brennan should gain some weight. And then Booth asks the woman, he lifts the mask off her face and says, tell me where the body is. And she said, it's in the fun house of a thousand corpses past the killer clown. And this is where we find out that Booth has a fear <laughs> of clowns because of the way he reacts to this news that he has to go into a place with a scary clown in it. Because he goes like this, he goes, Clown? Killer clown? Okay. He says it so high-pitched. <laughs> That's exactly clown? what I said. He said it in a high-pitched voice, like, clowns? Okay, clowns? <laughs> and the EMT goes, are you okay, buddy? Like, he asks Booth if he's all right. He's like, yeah, it's fine. Clowns. <laughs> and then he follows Brennan into the house of a thousand corpses. <laughs> and this is the funniest thing. Oh, it's so funny. I watched it five times in a row. I kept rewinding it and I showed it to Greg because it made me laugh. I was crying. I was laughing so hard because of the way Booth or David Morianis was doing this. It made me laugh so hard. He nailed this. Oh. He nailed this, I thought. I love it so much. He walks into this fucking thing and he's like all scared of this killer clown situation. And he sees the clown. He's very aware of the clown. And then as he is approaching the clown, his phone rings and he goes, ah! <laughs> he jumps out of his shoes and he's like, and Brennan's like, what's wrong with you? And he's like, oh, nothing. I'm just getting a call from Sam. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, nothing. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, we find out that he, she has the ID on the first mummy that was found. 
And apparently we find out that she's also a teenager like Megan who has disappeared. And she disappeared from the same amusement park where they are right now. And Brennan's yeah. all like, whoa, oh, 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 oh. she's acting like, oh, whoa, you scary. <laughs> she's being so bad. But he's like the killer clown, like the animated thing moves and he goes, oh, he scares, he gets scared yeah. again. He's so high pitched again. It made me laugh so hard. Oh, it was so funny. This is fantastic. Mm. They do find this corpse that the nurse had, had mentioned. Uh, and Brennan does agree with the nurse that they have found human remains. So I guess there were a thousand and one corpses. Oh, <laughs> so clever. <laughs> I've been dying to say <laughs> that joke. I know. You're such a dad. <laughs> such a dad. So. <laughs> okay. We're back, back at the, the lab, lab with Zach and Kim. Back at the lab. And Zach is so weird in this episode, I thought. He never likes to jump to conclusions, that's fine. But yeah. they're kind of in anyway, we'll we'll get to it as he continues to act the way he is. But at this point, they're not really in much of a rush to to do much of anything. They're trying to figure out if this victim is Megan Shaw, which they confirm immediately that it's not Megan Shaw. So that girl that went missing a week ago, this is not her. This is a completely separate victim. Zach doesn't want to jump to conclusions, but oh my God, why is my camera going to the corner of my room? I'm literally disappearing from view. Is it following okay, your so hand? Just gonna... Maybe, maybe I should stop fluttering my hand. So, okay, well, you just won't, you can hear me, but you won't see me for a little bit. It'll come back. So the dental records don't match. It's helpful that they came by, I guess, to give the, the parents came by to give the dental records. So they know for sure that this body is not Megan Shaw. He doesn't want to jump to conclusions, but when he was in Iraq, he saw similar uh, damage done to the fingers, indicating that this person was perhaps buried alive, which is insane. In the membrane. And because in the membrane. Because this victim had a tattoo, they were actually very easily able to determine who this victim was. This is a 16-year-old, so also a teenager, named Judith Susan Evans. Suzanne mm -hmm. Evans. Uh -huh. And she disappeared exactly two years ago. So we have yes. a victim that disappeared two years ago, one year ago, and oh shit, a victim that disappeared two week or one week ago. So from maybe, the same amusement Megan park. Shaw's from the same amusement park. And hopefully Megan Shaw's mother is wrong and Megan is still alive. We will. We don't it. know that, though. I just know that it's terrible. We no, have we don't. two teenage girls who perhaps were buried alive, uh, mummified. It just sounds absolutely terrible. It's awful. And they notice as they're doing this examination, Cam points out that there's small puncture marks yes. all over her body. Uh something a little bit bigger than than an insect bite perhaps so they're gonna try to figure out what that was from as well zach really doesn't want to jump to conclusions he says it multiple times he says it so many times so but cam angela and hodgins are not following that same 
rationale for this episode. They just want to figure out what happened to these girls. That's okay. So they found that, yeah, obviously that the victim pulled out their hair and suffered a bunch of insect bites, but they're not sure, you know, Boo, uh, Hodgins is talking about particulates, but he also, we talk a lot about particulates later as well. Ruth in the next yeah. scene is interviewing people at the amusement park, like staff of the House of a Thousand Corpses. And he notices that one of the employees was at also at the hay maze, the hay bale maze. And we find out his name is Greg. And the House of a Thousand Corpses manager is mad at Greg because he's wearing this costume to other gigs, which is another writing thing that I thought was very, very funny. I just thought it was really funny. So while they're interviewing the staff at this House of a Thousand Corpses, we're introduced to this girl who pipes up and she's being really gothy and defiant with Booth. She gets really mouthy and he tells her that she made a mistake by making herself like known to him. Like she's a little bit too visible now. Yeah. So he's going to be looking at her a little bit more closely. And I love this Greg guy. I don't understand how people talk to an FBI agent like this. Like it boggles my mind. <laughs> Especially after our conversation we were having before we started recording, we were Kelly and I were talking about how we have a, very healthy fear of authority. <laughs> <laughs> We're scared to drive in Extremely... front of police officers. <laughs> <laughs> like I can barely go the speed limit when there's a police officer oh, behind me. Make us so, so I nervous. cannot imagine yeah. me speaking up. Like you said, I can't imagine me mouthing off to an FBI no. agent. No. And even watching it happen, I'm like, oh my God. How could you? I know. So, also, yeah, Lola is an idiot. She she was not even on his radar at all. For real. And now Boo's For like, real. oh, hello. Number For one real. suspect. Nice to meet yeah. you, Lola. Wow. Wow. And she just rolls her eyes. Way to go, Lola. <laughs> Way to go. Okay. Where are we now? We're back at the back lab. At the lab. Do you want to talk about yeah, Cameron so the team Zach being back at the lab? Yeah, so we're all back at the lab. They're looking over the team's looking over Judith's remains. And they figure out, after much discussion, I mean, I don't want to get into the details because ultimately the conclusion is, is that she was definitely buried alive with a bunch of fucking tarantulas. Oh, boy. And this is very bad. This is very bad. This is like fear factor to the nth degree. Like, it's insane, right? Tarantulas... Yeah. By and large, tarantulas are pretty harmless, actually, and they're quite cute, but... They're fuzzy. They're very fuzzy and soft, and actually, really, I love spiders, so... But if you're dumping a bunch of them in a dark space with a, a, swarm, a person who's moving around, like, in the pitch black, who's freaking out, yeah, they're going to bite you. They're going to bite you. You know yeah. what I mean? Course. Um, so Hodgins, Hodgins, he tells us that a bunch of part he tells us about a bunch of particulates that don't really make sense in this whole conglomeration of particulates that he's gathered. Two specifically are steel dust and a pollen that he's not sure, or a spore, apologies, a spore yeah. that he's not sure where it came from. So he's got to look into that a little bit more. I like these scenes, they're short. They're concise and they give you like they 
they have a like pack a lot of information into them that are yeah it's it, it's good it's interesting it carries the the story forward nicely because these are things that we're gonna like we take we have the scene then a little piece of that scene we we bring up in the next scene and then we like unpackage that the next scene cam is has concluded at the end of this scene that between the two ways that they know that this these two girls died it would appear that the murderer is literally scaring these girls to death yeah which is absolutely horrible but like being of. buried alive is you're gonna die you you're gonna die if you get buried alive yeah. okay Unless you're Hodgins and, and Brennan, Brennan and you're in a car. <laughs> and you have perfume and a camera and water. And very specific ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> well, what oh happens God. next? We have, we're back at the FBI. Booth is interviewing Judith's sister who lost her at the amusement park. So her friends and herself went into the fun house. Her little sister, Judith, stayed, she's too scared, claustrophobic, she had all these issues, she's very anxious, Didn't and her mother, like, had forced her bigger sister to take her to the amusement park with her, so she didn't even want her there, like the older sister. Yeah. And I know that feeling. So she's like, okay, bye. I know that feeling. Yeah. Like, not wanting your younger sibling to be around, it's like cramping your style, I get it. So yeah, she left her outside the funhouse saying, you know, I'll wait out here for you. And she's like, okay, like you said, bye. Yeah. <laughs> and she asked Booth if Judith suffered. Oh. And I just. The Why couldn't really he just good. lie? He did lie. He was very tactful and said that they're working very hard to find out what happened. That's all he said to her. I interpreted that as him avoiding the question. Like, if I were her, I would have been like, okay, so she did suffer, but you're just wanting to not no, answer. No, I, I thought he was being very diplomatic. I thought it was great the way he answered her. Really? You thought it was bad? I thought it was awful. Yeah, I thought it was terrible. But I guess she didn't... Yeah, I guess she, her reaction was more in line with what you would have thought, I guess, but she didn't seem particularly torn up by his She didn't response. seem alarmed. And also she has an no. amazing memory, this girl, because Booth yeah. shows her a photograph of Greg, the guy yeah. who played a uh, character, the Grim Reaper at the maze, as well as the House of a Thousand Corpses. And she recognizes yeah. him. She recognizes Greg from the amusement park. I was shocked. I'm, I'm sure that she's played this moment over and over and over again in her head okay. after her sister went missing i wonder if because i would I you like remember would be, a guy like that i think i probably would because in this case that was the person who directed them away from there because he was the one that said that she had just taken off with some guy i wouldn't remember because oftentimes those people are wearing masks or makeup and I, true it's be hard to really distinguish them true so what happens next? well somehow she does remember and it turns out that mr greg the grim reaper is a registered sex offender how is he able to work at this museum park i think that's an excellent question i agree so they are they are him and brennan are booth and brennan are 
interrogating him. And he plays dumb, plays dumb, plays dumb. And then goes, eventually admits, oh, yeah, you know what? I, yes, I do hook up with these girls. And then Lola, the goth girl that you met earlier, she likes to rough them up. She likes to catch me. Yes. Kelly, you're putting up your finger. Greg admits this because he's being so smug with booth that booth loses his temper slaps oh. <laughs> him across the face man handles yeah. him by the collar brennan then is sitting across from this guy greg <laughs> takes this opportunity to bitch slap him across the face <laughs> it was booth beautiful tells her nice shot I'm like, what is going on? Then, as you said, he coughs up, Greg coughs up this information that somehow Lola, what happens? He lures these Basically, girls away and then Lola roughs them up and then she has sex like, with him or something? After. So they, this, the way that it works, it sound the way that I interpreted it, is that he is like, hey, let's go make out in the area over here, the amusement park. And Lola watches for a bit. And then she acts like she catches them. Is like, oh, this is my boyfriend. How could you? Roughs up the girl. And then the ultimately the paramedics have to come and clean these girls up because they're so beat up. Apparently there's no investigation after that. Regardless. At all. I'm just and Lola saying- gets off scot-free. Let's not let's not spoil anything right now, but I'm just thinking this is weird, right? Like this sex yes. play they have. Like who is very weird thinks of that. You're like, what really turns me on is catching you in the act with some underaged girl, and then I beat them up. Like it's such a strange And then I beat fetish. them up and then we go have sex. It's, it's a, a very fetish. weird it's a weird fetish, weird kink. Not to kink shame, extremely like weird. Regular kinks. I mean, kinks are kinks, but that's a bit extreme. Well, let me tell you <laughs> that the person who wrote this episode, yes, also wrote <laughs> the truth and the lie and the girl <laughs> and the gator, <laughs> and will go on to write Jesus. the Santa and the slush Jesus. and three more episodes wow. in season four. Wow. So wow. this is the mind of Scott Williams. Wow. <laughs> Who actually he wrote a bunch for Castle as well. So anyway. I don't remember Girl in the Gator or Truth and the Lie being this funny. But I, f- I think the Girl in the Gator was pretty funny. That was when we were first introduced to Sully. Was it funny? I think so. A little bit. Wow. The person who directed this episode, this is the only episode that she directed of Bones ever. Okay. Uh, So this is her one and only episode. Her name is Marita Grabiak. Okay. And she has directed every type of, like, the Hallmark Christmas movie types. A okay. Royal Christmas Crush. <laughs> to like 
actually she's directed a ton of christmas episodes like or christmas movies like an insane amount but between all the christmas movies that she's directed she also directed a little bit of one tree hill law and order svu bones obviously battlestar galactica everwood wow gilmore girls like an episode here or there firefly er dawson's creek anyway i'm painting a picture but it is a weird concept. <sighs> but since we uh, want to just talk about weird stuff, why don't we go back to um, Angela's office where uh, private investigator Amber Kipler has some information about yes. Birenbau. So apparently she found him. He's in a place called no name key in florida which is an actual place i didn't realize that that was a place that's kind of interesting she is uh this lady is so freaking weird like she's on another level (laughs) she's like talking about pi code and everything anyway apparently beer and bow is so madly in love with angela the woman he hasn't talked to in what like a decade who he happens to be married to. Apparently he built her a house. It hasn't been a decade. They married four years ago in Fiji. It's only four years? Yes, that's what's so crazy. We talked about this because she started dating Hodges and I'm like, they've been together like maybe a year? What? You know what I mean? That's why I think the timeline is so messed up because she got married like three or four years ago. So I'm like, wow. Yeah. She moved on very quickly. I guess Holy they got married and then shit. never saw each other again. I guess. But he built her a house, which oh. is so random. Yeah. Um, Hodgins is like, okay, this is literally a shack. It's a shanty. Why are you getting excited about this? I'll say this right it's now beautiful. that Hodgins, the beach. Is, Hodgins' privilege is showing here. Basically, oh, people yeah. would pay $5,000 a week to stay in a place like this on the beach. Seriously. Yeah. It was so, it was so nice. Anyway, <laughs> Hodgins is having none of this and Angela's like, okay, he built me a house. Yeah, that's really nice. But like, okay, I want a divorce. So like, are you doing your job and getting us the information that we need for this to happen? And this lady is doing her best to convince Angela that she should go back to beer and bow. And that he is so madly in love with her. She's so annoying. I quote literally to the letter she says. And she says, Mr. Barossa said 100% verbatim, word for word. (laughs) She's very like, I don't know. She's very annoying. She's hilarious. The guy writes poetry. She's hilarious, but annoying. Oh. She's just really trying to paint this picture of him being this like he's beautiful, beautiful man. He smells good. He writes poetry. He wants her back. Yeah. So she's like, come on, you know. Hodgins is so insecure. And he's looking to Angela for his lead. Like he he's trying to gauge how much Angela is into him, like into Hodgins, because he's worried. Yeah. That she's being convinced to go back to this guy. By this lady. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting worried, too. 
<laughs> well, I that don't know. This PI is going to jump on Mr. Barasa. Well, I don't care about that, but I just think it's funny because uh, you're saying we do meet this Birambao dude. So I'm, apparently, I'm excited. I didn't realize. It. I'm excited. I don't remember meet. I don't remember them meeting, but apparently yeah. they do. So, so I'm what, curious uh, to see how that is. So basically, Angela says, "I want to. I want a divorce. Make it happen." They uh, table it for later, kind of thing. Yeah. They say they send yeah. the PI away. Send Kipler away. Until further notice, because they got to discuss what's happening. Yeah. So we are halfway through this episode. No one's in costumes yet. We are now in the FBI with Booth and Brennan. They're walking along, talking about this case. And one of the agents comes up and says, I have some information. Uh, Honey, this... not just any agent. Yes. This is Agent Charlie. Charlie. <laughs> Do you know Sorry. how happy... I was to see Agent Charlie. I was like, I was I was saying to Greg, he's watching this with me. I said, this guy is getting regular work on a, a really long-term series. He gets to come in, say a couple of lines, and walk away. And that paycheck is coming in. Like, he's getting the paycheck. It's wild. That's true. I was like, I'm I, so happy for Agent be- Charlie. Is, do you think that he would be employed as a professional extra? I think so, because he's not a series regular. No, I wonder if he is in the background of some of the scenes in the FBI. That's a good question. Like w- with a non-speaking role every so often? I bet okay. he does. Well, I bet he is. That mother that thought her daughter was dead, now they're operating on the assumption that she might still be alive. So they're hoping. So they're trying to figure out, okay, what was her phobia? And thank you to Charlie for identifying that her phobia is snakes. So they want to call all the shops, all the reptile specialists, anywhere that sells snakes and see if there have been any snakes bought in bulk recently. And yeah, I don't, I'm not buying that Lola is a snake person. (laughs) So, but we'll see. Anyway, so they they want to... Booth says he's going to go interview Lola. And Brennan should go back to the lab and do her thing at the lab because she's got to do her sciencey stuff while he does the interrogation so that they can solve this as soon as possible. I'm starting finally at this episode to get a, a, the fe- a feeling that there's a sense of urgency. Because I think now that they've realized that this is a third possible um, victim... Now they're thinking, okay, we got to figure out this Megan Shaw situation ASAP. Okay. Did you get that impression at this point? So here's my question. Did they not do this for the tarantulas? I know they were sold two years ago. That's a good question. But I wonder what the protocol is when you sell these exotic type shits. There has to be some kind of accountability when somebody walks into your pet store and they buy all these tarantulas or they're buying them online at this point i don't know there has to be a record of the sale of multiple tarantulas do you know what i mean i feel like finding tarantulas would be a lot easier than finding snakes as well but maybe because it was two years ago and at the time they didn't make the connection 
that it would have been something to do with her phobia or fears. Right. I don't but now know that they've had saying. these two victims. I'm not sure. But they could back but, yeah, it up so by also investigating. The they could also investigate the tarantula angle as well. I'm just saying. Yeah. No, they could. That wow. would probably be a good idea. So, yes, basically Booth and Brennan separate. She goes to the lab. He goes to the street so he can do his thing with Lola. So the next scene we have. Costumes. Back at the lab. Everybody Back at the is lab. in fucking costumes and i'm here for it normally i would like be whatever man but i was like so excited that everybody was in costumes first we have ham and hodgins looking at ham is cat woman not just any cat woman she is the Eartha Kit original OG Catwoman, who was the like the most amazing Catwoman on the planet, and I think Hodgins dressed up like the captain of the Titanic. I think was his. Thing. He did, yes, yes, he did. <laughs> so, what are they talking about? Are they talking about particulates or something? Yeah, they're talking on particular. They're talking about particulates. They're talking about the spores. Um, that they found earlier. They're trying to figure out the source of the steel dust. There's a lot of things that, that they need to figure out, and they're kind of at a standstill. They haven't really gotten much further. Can I just say? I feel like the only... Yes. Just uh, the Brendan walks in while Cam and Hodgins are talking about particulates, and she's kind of like... Cam's breathing down Hodgins' neck, like, come on, man, tell me what's going on, tell me what's going on. And then Brennan walks in, and she starts grilling him and grilling him and grilling him, like, come on, like, where are the particulates? Hodgins is like, leave me the frig alone. I'm You're putting too much pressure on me. I can't work like yeah. that. So he sends them away. So they take, like, two steps away from him, and he's like, yeah, no, you got to go further than that. <laughs> so they do. Then this happens a couple of times in the episode, and it's very funny, and I like this bit, where Brennan goes to Cam, is that your costume? She asks her if that's her fucking Halloween costume. When it obviously like, obviously, is. she's dressed like <laughs> sexy Catwoman. And then <laughs> Brennan, she's obviously. It's so funny, though, because it happens another time. But then Brennan says to Cam, it's very sexually alluring. And then Cam says, thank you. Yeah. But for sure, Brennan did not mean it that way. She seems almost jealous of this costume. Oh, this is only the beginning. Competition for her costume. Exactly. Oh, yeah. So fortunately, while Cam and Brennan actually give Hodgins a little bit of space for once, Hodgins does determine that the that there's a hawaiian pollen that's where where the spores are coming from so they have to figure out how the hawaiian pollen was able to get absorbed into the wet lacquer during this mummification process they're thinking right now at the moment that the only possible explanation is that the victims were mummified in hawaii so we'll see what comes of that but right now brennan is out out of costume cam is catwoman and he is in, Hodgins is in, oh yeah, she does look exactly like her. Eartha Kit, baby. She's so You're hot. totally right. She was so hot. You nailed it. She was an amazing, like, it's like so amazing. Look at her. She's so beautiful. Oh, I loved her. Wow, look at that bone structure. She's, a, oh, are you kidding me? Jeez. Jeez. 
Oof, marron. Yeah. So nice for the kit. Okay. Now we're okay. going to get to the absolute most inappropriate thing that I've ever heard Booth say. Okay, you ever. can say it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so Booth, as he said he was going to, uh, Booth is, goes and interrogates Lola. But he goes up to her. He he actually goes to the amusement park, so he's actually interrogating her on site at the Dungeons of a Thousand Corpses. And she is so disrespectful to him. It is absolutely awful. She's like, yep, I'm not talking to you. I need a lawyer whatever. And he's pushing back and being like, okay, well, you attacked two of the girls who were both of these dead girls. You attacked them. So um, what do you want to say about that? I do you want to tell me say- something? And then... She says yes. she's not going to say anything without a lawyer, and then she proceeds to. And then she admit, keeps talking. <laughs> she proceeds to admit that she beats up these girls. I, I didn't kill anyone. It's not like I. It just beat like, them up. Lola, shut. <laughs> shut up. Take your own advice. Sorry, I have to show you another so, photograph. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, she's beautiful. This bone structure is insane. Oh my god, this jaw is like square so beautiful yeah gorgeous okay so so booth threatens the death penalty basically and cuffs her and takes her away hilarious except that before he threatens her with that yes he says that you better start telling me what i need to know in two seconds or and i quote i'm gonna start removing your piercings and i'm not gonna start with the ones in your face (laughs) <laughs> my you thought jaw? that was the worst thing he ever said i was like oh Ooh. that's no. so inappropriate i thought that was hilarious first of all second that is not the worst thing he ever said what is the worst thing oh, he ever it's said? coming it's coming there's worse Oh my god. I didn't oh, pick no, up on it obviously because I was too obsessed. Oh my god, he said it before. He said Did it we before. skip it? Did he say How it could before? there be worse than Did him telling her he's gonna rip out her piercings? Although well, he says remove your piercings. At you least know what? yeah, I, I guess it was maybe it wouldn't have been violent. He said it before. What did when he say? When they were at the FBI after they interviewed Greg. Okay. He says, she asks, he says he's going to go get Lola. And Brennan goes, are you going to hit her too? And he says, not with a closed fist. And she says, why not with a closed fist? Because that will leave a mark is what he says. Ah. <laughs> that is pretty bad though right this is very bad the piercings though no the piercings was funny this not leaving a mark and hitting with an open that's hand that's really bad that's like yeah, that's not good okay that's like domestic abuse level Whoa. concern Boothy. not good okay well, fine you win Okay. <laughs> I just want to say is this where we go back to the lab now we're back at the lab. 
Yes, and Brennan makes another co- another comment just like she did to Cam. To Booth this time. But I just want Don't say... you have to put on your costume? <laughs> Cam's costume is beautiful. I love it so much. She's totally she's giving. She's giving with this costume. It's absolutely beautiful. I love it. She looks amazing. Then... We start with just Booth and Brennan though. No, but then Is this when did we find out that the what type of pollen the so we just we found that we found out the pollen and then we okay talked with Lola and now we're back at the lab with Booth and Brennan excellent and Booth and Brennan are finally in their costumes so we get to see their costumes almost yes almost more importantly Booth has a file that was given to him by Lance Doctor Lance Sweets. That is a a profile of our killer. So he's done a psychological Which, profile of this killer. I love this. I yes. love that they're introducing this and that they're where actually are using sweets. Where the sweets. We don't know he? where he is. Where is he? They couldn't afford to he? have him in the episode, so he's just writing reports. For what them. was he doing? I want to know right now what the hell he was doing with his life that he couldn't be in this goddamn episode. I have a feeling there's a couple things in this episode that make me think that this episode happened, that they filmed this episode before Lance cast, was on the show. They cast him or something? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Uh-huh. 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 Also, how... Oh, I Why is Sweet's it. not here in costume is my question. I'm going to look it up. But while also, we're chatting about that, I forgot to mention... No, also, yes, we need more costumes. There's not enough costumes in this fucking show. I want more, 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 (laughs) more. I want everybody with Halloween. Well, I think it's funny (laughs) that all the extras are wearing insane costumes with masks and they're walking around with file folders and sciencey things and like looking at their paper as they're walking around with helmets on and masks and everything. I think it's so funny that they're doing that. But I still think we need more, more costumes. What are you going to look up? I'm looking up why he wasn't in this episode, but it is okay. not happening. So while this um, is happening. Yes. Booth is Tell talking about to Brennan. Scene. Well, Booth is talking to Brennan through her office door. Like he's on the opposite side of her door while she's changing into her costume. And he's telling her about this profile of the killer who has like a regular job. He probably has a military background, et cetera, et cetera. All these psychological things. Then she walks out of her office in costume as Wonder Woman. Boobs out. Wow, wow, wow. Boobs oh, out. boobs out. But legs, everything is out. And if boobs, she bent over, oh, she'd I think fall that her boobs out. may fall out they would of this outfit. Fall out of this outfit. And <laughs> Ruth is hilariously dressed like a squint. He's got a lab coat on. He has tape in the middle of his glasses. And he starts, he pulls out this calculator and he starts punching <laughs> it like he's making calculations and he's talking like a nerd. And it's so funny. He's so funny. Brennan actually, sir, he's like, see what I did? I yeah, corrected you. <laughs> I corrected you. And Brennan seems like amused. She seems amused by this. She seems amused, but at the same time, she does say to him the same thing that she says to cam 
or similar being like, don't you have to put your costume on? <laughs> is your is your costume on? <laughs> but anyway, so she's just not here he for it. She thinks it's ridiculous. That's not what we look or sound like. Yeah. It's so funny. I thought it was hilarious. Poor Zach is dressed up like the back of a cow. Uh-huh. Angela is not here. We're gonna meet her in a second. And she's dressed like I believe Cher. So she looks like amazing. We're talking about the locations of the three pet shops that the FBI said sold out of snakes. Based on where they sold out of snakes, now they're starting to think, okay, shit, the last place sold out just an hour ago. Now they're all taking off, like, um, Cam takes off the master costume. They're they're kind of settling in. They're realizing, okay, well, I don't think we're going to the party. Like, she is still alive. Megan is still alive. We have to get, we have to figure this out now. So, Based on the location of these of these shops that the snakes were sold out of, then they think that they can ice they think that they can isolate using a little bit of a, a few logical jumps to isolate the location where the killer might be operating operating out of. They also realize if they sold out of the snakes an hour ago, Lola and Greg are not the killers. So Booth is thinking that Greg, that uh, not Greg, that Sweets may have been right about the profile. That this is someone who's working alone, has a blue-collar background, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, holy shit. They gotta figure this out. They're realizing that these bodies were not mummified in Hawaii. So they gotta figure out an explanation for how these Hawaiian spores got, in, got into these bodies. And some of those other features that you had talked about earlier. Yeah. Uh... Angela is not allowed to be there. Booth, not allowed to be there. Yeah, so Angela and Booth, yeah, they get kicked out because Brennan, Zach, and Hodgins cannot work with them hanging around because they're bugging them and they ask stupid questions and they jump to conclusions and everything. So they need to do their like really fast, speedy (laughs) science deduction stuff. Anyway, they do this like going back and forth. What's this? What's that? Is this logic? Is this uh, deduction? Is this jumping to conclusions? Or is it like an Einstein thing where you're allowed to? Regardless, after all this gobbledygook. And they also determine in this conversation whether or not Wonder Woman (laughs) or Catwoman, like which one of them is stronger or more powerful. They all agree that Wonder Woman is more powerful. They decide that the orchid stuff... And the steel dust leads them to a florist above a subway truck. Which is amazing that they were able to make these intuitive leaps. It was really Hodgins, actually, who came up with this theory. And he he says to them, okay, I'm going to make an intuitive leap. But the the subway cars, when they turn, would throw this brake dust off of it. So based on this, and like you said, okay, florist above the subway tracks. I thought this was so funny when Booth was leaving the room. He was so butthurt that he needed to leave. And this is a moment we haven't seen in a little while where he actually makes fun of Zach. Just like a little, little poke. But we haven't seen really them. We haven't seen them interact much recently. So he, he calls Zach a horse's ass because they're asking yeah. him to leave. And Zach is saying he's not going to guess. 
poor Zach is like, see my otter? I'm a cow, Booth. I'm a cow, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a cow's ass. So I love the earlier when Booth ripped off his nerd glasses. Like, it was very like Superman, like ripping Clark Kent, taking off his glasses, like springing into action, you know? So now we have Booth and Brendan driving in a car and... Pam calls them on the phone while they're driving to tell them, like, okay, here's the florist. Here's, you know, go check this out. Where were they going? Like, did they just take start driving? I wrote down the same thing. I said, but I, and that when I was thinking about it later, I guess they knew the general area they were needing to go to. So they were probably the just going to that general like the center. Block. And then they would just drive from there. Yeah. And then they were just waiting for them to tell them. But what if they didn't I figure it out right away? Like, what if they were just there's like, there's a lot of holes. <laughs> there's some holes in this one. Regardless, they arrive at the florist. The florist is closed. <laughs> they run around back to the alleyway. They find an opening, like a subway kind of uh, air yeah. vent. And there's like padlock on it. So Booth shoots the padlock off. They descend into this dark, creepy basement kind of, uh, what would you call this? Like uh, underground it's an like a cellar almost. area. Yeah. It seems very uh, busy. Like there's a lot it's going huge. on down here. Yeah. Brennan is carrying a huge gun. And Booth <laughs> is like, where the fuck were you hiding that in your costume? She's wearing literally and no I clothes. Love that. This is so <laughs> funny because the writer is having too much fun with this. Like it's too much. It's too much fun. Then oh, we- yeah. They eventually arrive at a gate that also has a padlock on it. But then what happens at the this gate? So then Brennan is like, okay, I got this and shoots the lock. No, she doesn't. But she goes, not she a good says, idea. Can I shoot this one? And then he grabs it and opens it because it's unlocked. That's not the one she shoots. Oh, sorry. No, no, I'm it's okay. Ahead. You're fine. I just think it was funny the way she goes, can I please shoot this one? She wants to shoot it. Can I shoot this one? <laughs> so they, can I, okay. When does she shoot the, uh, when they hear, I'm getting, sorry, now I, I wasn't reading my notes. So they walk exactly around, they're walking happening. around, they find a bunch of shit, they find a room with a <laughs> table, they find some drugs. Booth figures out while they're walking around, they see the drugs, they go, holy crap, who else would have access to these drugs? And who would show up after somebody's been beaten up, but an emergency medical uh, person, like an EMT, a paramedic. Like a paramedic, so yeah. They, and uh, Brennan's like, wow, you're right, Booth. You should wear a lab coat more often. You're so smart. Anyway, this is where we find, <laughs> we hear, uh, so we're here, we hear screaming. We Megan hear Megan screaming scream. on the other side of a door. Yeah. And it's padlocked. This is where Brennan shoots. And what happens? Where she, and she does ask, can I shoot it? He says no, but she <laughs> fires anyway. The bullet bounces off the lock and hits him. So she effectively shoots Booth um, in the leg. This poor guy. Um, Except she's like, I think the bullet bounced off my bracelet just like an Amazonium. Jesus <laughs> She's like, wow, I'm, I'm just like Wonder Woman. <laughs> anyway, so they open this door and it turns out Brennan is terrified of snakes. 
she jumps up so high onto this like box thing and is screaming avoiding these snakes and booth is not afraid of them so he's like okay just come down but he ends up she ends up climbing on his back and they go in with her piggy him yeah on his back into this room filled with snakes and megan who's fucking freaking out and then she's (laughs) this poor girl and they're like like, goofing around it's okay anyway they find this girl she's in the room with all the snakes uh, Brennan's piggybacking on his back. They're getting in the room. They're trying to console her while she's piggybacking him. And then this insane <laughs> guy dressed as a killer clown pops up in the doorway with a big shotgun. Brennan sees him, wields her massive gun at him, and shoots at him. Ruth drops her to the floor. <laughs> He's like, Would you stop things and she's like he had a gun anyway he tells her Brennan to it's so funny it's he says you stay here I'm gonna go after that guy and then she goes my gun is too big for me <laughs> he's like, he's no like shit. yeah I know so they switch guns I've it's told so you a hundred times <laughs> the minute she sees the snakes and she's it's scared pretty funny. and then she's ah that she hits her head and then she's my gun's too big she's like really um all like uh discombobulated like brendan's really quite uh flustered here you know he's normally oh, very yeah. calm i think the snakes really threw her for a loop in, like total terrified <laughs> mode anyway what happens after this it is wild to me that this guy dressed like a clown, knowing yeah. Booth yeah. is afraid of clowns. Like, is this always his costume every every Halloween? Know. Or does it just happen to be? Me too. I'm curious. Me too. Anyway. So now they have this standoff where he's trying to, where Booth is trying to get this guy to surrender. Hey, the guy's shooting at him. In this freaking Yes. Underground subway thing. I called it a cat and mouse chase him up shootout in the basement. So they're like shooting at each other and like and then this EMT is nuts. His voice is totally he's like diabolical the way he's talking. Like the way he's saying, Oh, you're you brought the wrong gun. He's like yelling at him like a crazy person. I was like, who is this guy? It's wild. He's diabolical. It's so, it makes for a kind of, even though it's a shootout, it makes it kind of funny. (laughs) I was not scared this episode, even though it's a Halloween episode. There's nothing scary. So, no. Other than like the spider crawling out of the mummy Ah. in the beginning, but otherwise, all good. (laughs) But (laughs) just a little terrifying. So, Brennan has saved Megan. They're trying to get out of this room. And just as they reach the door, then this guy, Geller, the paramedic, he turns and he fires at the door. And that's not great. They both scream. They're fine. But long story short, Booth has to make the very unfortunate decision to shoot well, the, he, paramedic. the paramedic, and that is how Brennan. this he ends. Her. It says, "I'm going to turn your girl yeah. into a hamburger." Yeah, 
And um, yeah, he sneaks up the clown guy. And that's when he yeah, makes the clown the decision. guy sneaks up behind the door where the girls are hiding. The women are hiding. And then Booth goes, well, yeah. I've got one shot left. Good thing I'm a good shot. And like this guy doesn't know like Booth's a yeah. sniper. Kills him. Oh, yeah. Because he was counting down his shots. He's like, oh, you only yeah. have five shots. And I'm I'm counting that you only have yeah. one left. Like yeah. kind of taunting him. And the whole audience is like, it doesn't matter. He only needs yes. one shot, buddy. And then an Brennan idiot. comes out with the girl <laughs> and he goes, now do you know why I hate clowns? Like, it's so funny. <laughs> it was amazing. Do we, do we have to talk so, about this next scene? All in all. We do, but I really wish, and we're not going to see it because we only have two scenes left, but I really wish that we had seen the reunion of Megan with her mother. <laughs> I wish we had seen <laughs> Megan be like, I never hey, thought mom, of that. fuck you. I'm still alive. I want some mother. <laughs> the mom's, the mother's like, oh, going to be like, dead. Doing? and the father's gonna be all happy like what's the story yeah <laughs> i wish that we had seen that reunion because the mom was so she off-putting to me you were dead. in that first scene we met her i just know she's dead she's my daughter <laughs> i'm like okay do you are we giving her to be dead what's going or... on here lady <laughs> exactly Anyway, okay, so we obviously have to have one nice scene before we finish up with our um with our PI, with our B plot. This Miss Kipler is brutal. <laughs> I think she's funny. <laughs> she tried to seduce Angela's yep. husband, and um sounds like it didn't work because uh he turned her down. She talks about how she's going to rub her, she wanted to rub her alabaster skin on him. Anyway, it's just very off-putting and very awkward. Angela, when this lady says ooh about, about Hodgins and is very much putting down Hodgins, who she keeps calling Dr. Hodgkins. This is the funniest is so thing on the planet, I thought. <laughs> But Angela totally tears this woman, uh, like, tears a piece off of this woman. Tears a shred off of this woman. I feel like that's the proper saying. Uh, and she's basically saying, basically, that aren't you grateful that I did all this work for? Oh, no, sorry. No, that I'm cutting ahead. But Angela says, don't ever call Hodgins gross ever again. Like, fuck you. I want a divorce. My opinion is final. Stop trying to get me to get back with this yeah. Baron Bao guy. You can rub your alabaster skin all over him. I don't give a crap. <laughs> and then she walks away. <laughs> and then Hod Hodgins approaches and she's like, oh, hi, Dr. Hodgkins. And basically some and somehow oh, I said basically again, somehow she convinces him that she did such a great job and that he should thank her. Because she was trying to basically throw, basically again, throw Birambao at Angela. And Angela wasn't biting. So he should feel more secure in his relationship now, knowing that she didn't want to go for this tall, dark, and handsome man who is clearly better looking and wonderful 
more wonderful all around than him. And he does thank her. And it's weird. And that's the end of that. <laughs> thank God. This whole oh my God. I hope we plot. never see her I don't, again. I liked her. I thought it was funny <laughs> that she kept calling him Hodgkins. It made me laugh. <laughs> you can rub your alabaster skin. Yeah, and all shake over his him. snow globes. Anyway. <laughs> shake his snow globes. It was globes. all like part of her plan. Oh my God. To try to entice Angela, right? Back to her husband and see how committed she was yeah. to this whole procedure. So we discover that. So she instills confidence and uh, in Hodgins and gives him, takes away the insecurity so he can sleep at night and not worry about her leaving him for this guy, which I'm interested to see how that happens in season four. Regardless, we will Uh, apparently, here we go. Next, we have Booth and Brendan. They show back up at the Jeffersonian. They're completely messed up. Their costumes are just all disheveled they're dirty from being in the basement having a shootout rescuing megan why are they here why aren't they like they should be wrapped up in all kinds of like questioning they should be dealing with the parents they've got there's so much for them to do right now after this kind of case ends they just caught basically a serial killer and yeah i'm just curious why they're here i don't know why they went back yeah, I don't know why they went back to the Jeffersonian. At least, yeah, th- there's no reason. Because they walk in, and then they talk a bunch, and we'll talk about what they talk about. And then Brennan's like, want to go for food? And he's like, actually, yeah, I'd love to. And in then they their dirty-ass motherfucking costumes. I would not have dinner in that costume. I'm sorry. Like, no. It, I wonder if they have a change. No, they're walking out. They don't have a change they're of clothes. Walking they're walking away. away. So I don't know. I would think that they live fairly close to the Jeffersonian, so maybe they could go. Apparently, they all live close. Yeah, I don't know. This is not a Toronto work situation where you drive for an hour to get to work. Um, (laughs) there's something a little cheeky that Brennan says where they they sit down and Brennan was saying like, "Oh, oh, maybe they came back because they wanted to go to the Halloween party, but then they ended up bailing." Anyway. So basically, so Brennan says, looking at them both, that while well, looking at him, seeing that he is dressed as this squint, he's she's saying, oh, you know, we could be Wonder Woman and Clark Kent after a really, really bad yes. date. And then they get a little, they get kind of awkward with each other. Like, oh, yeah, okay, only a bad date because you shot me. Oh, wait, but you're the one who said date. Yeah, no, it wasn't a date. Like, they get a little, like... Yeah, no, you said David, weirdly semantic. Me. I know. Yeah, it's very cute. They end up going out anyway. They end up going out for dinner. She, before they walk out, she starts spinning yes. like Wonder Woman, and he turns around. And he's like, yes. "What the hell are you doing?" And she looks so dizzy. <laughs> it's very cute. Anyway, it's a nice ending to. It's a cute ending to this episode. We're seeing more and more of them being, I think, lovey-dovey. Are you familiar with the original Wonder like, Woman? Uh, no. Okay. I'm not. Did she do a good job? Does she look like the it original? It doesn't matter. Wonder Woman is like 
the queen. I am a huge Wonder Woman person. I've probably talked about this before. I had a Wonder Woman backpack. I used to dress up like Wonder Woman. I watched the show. My dad had a song where he go, Wonder Woman with the great big boobies. And he loved Wonder Woman so much because she had big <laughs> boobs. And I loved Wonder Woman was like my hero. I loved her. So when the movie came out, the original movie, the one that just came out recently with Gal Gadot, I'm not a fan of Gal Gadot anymore, but that movie, the first one, was like, it was one of the first female superhero movies, right, that they put out. Yeah. And, like, I cried. I was like, this is amazing. Like, the whole sequence where they're on Amazonia and they're, like, doing all this stuff, like, it was just like, this is like, it's Wonder Woman. Like, it's amazing to see Wonder Woman. It was so exciting. It was so exciting. Very... That's the end of our episode. Shall we discuss our thoughts on the episode? Let's make it brief. Let's make it uh, short and sweet. Yes. Do you want to go first? Uh, very fun. A lot of holes. A lot of plot holes. Um, the script was great. Like, just very sharp, funny. Uh, I liked a couple of the shots. I noticed that one shot where they're interrogating. Who are they talking to? They're in Brennan's office with parents and her phone rings. And there's an angle. There's a shot that they look down on Brennan as she's on the phone finding out about there being another body at the amusement park or something like that. And yeah. I just thought like a couple of flourishes that the director had that were interesting. But other than that, I loved how it was low stakes even though we had a missing child and we should have been a little bit more on our toes <laughs> literally um, halfway through they're like oh oopsie very weird sex play introduced yeah also weird serial see a horse fetish yeah this is that's that i don't think is as weird as this this is like where you beat up young sadistic. girls. It's very strange. Yeah. And then the strange serial killer that tortures his victims like this with their like scares them to death is very odd. A lot of strange very... things that aren't really explored. Anyway, what did you think? I liked it. I thought it was really funny, quirky. We get to experience a lot of the characters. Again, another episode that Zach really didn't play much of a role in. No. And when he did, it was very much like He was a pain in the ass. Like, he was a pain in the ass. Yeah. Not the horse's ass, though. The no, cow's ass. It's the cow's ass. And <laughs> more importantly, Brittany. Da, 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 who's your king of the lab in this episode? King of the lab was Hodgins. Why? Is that intuitive leap that he made? He solved this whole case. Like, he alone basically solved this case he found the particulates he figured out where the the break dust was he was wearing a hilarious costume <laughs> he put up with that annoying pi i love hodgins in this episode i thought he did great and he I... also told cam and brennan off like go over there oh my god i need my space that was funny i do i love how literally you take this because my king of the lab is not a person who's in the lab my king of the lab is it never is no i'm that's my plan for the rest of this time <laughs> is to say who the king of the lab is who is not in the lab <laughs> okay 
I'm going to say my king of the lab is the private investigator, Kipler, <laughs> because she is by far is having, I think, the most fun. She's having the most fun in this one. Like, she's pretty funny. And this whole like weird uh, manipulative game that she's playing to see if Angela's going to go back to her husband. Can we just agree that Cam is like, will always be the queen? Like, she's just such a queen. I love her she's so much. She's great. I love her. She's a great character. She's come a long way in terms of likability from season two when we first in- were introduced. Who is your lab rat? Zach. That guy's got to get it together. Yeah. I don't disagree. How about you? Well, he was going to be on my list of as lab rat, honestly. Because I thought so too. He was the most like least game player. He he was the least team player of the whole thing. Like, he just wasn't gelling. He was not on board. No, he wasn't any fun. He's a stick in the mud. Anyway, my lab rat is uh, a combination of Lola and Greg together. Because that whole weird sex thing is very yeah, that strange. Was weird. And I I don't understand people who have no respect for authority. Greg was so smug and like the his attitude towards Booth was so like, yeah, whatever, man. Like he just had this horrible yeah, attitude. Whatever. And I was like, who who talks to an FBI agent like that? Like it's just crazy to me. I wonder if Lola got arrested because what For she what? did was illegal. Yeah, but beating the, up the girls are girls. dead. I mean, I don't know if Megan's going to press True. charges against her eventually, but the girls are dead. She can't do anything. True. But unless Megan charges her for assault. I'd like to change my answer from Zach. Oh, no, I want to keep Zach. Can I, can I give a second? Yeah. Runner up. Megan's mother. Oh, fuck. Honorable mention, Megan's mother. Are you for real? <laughs> Literally writing off her daughter. I know. I, I just know I she's feel it. Dead. She's dead. My her mother. I know she's dead. She's dead. <laughs> I'm like, Holy shit. Oh my God. Okay. Insane in the memory. Like, that must feel good. Seriously. <laughs> oh my God. Poor daughter. Anyway. Well, oh, this is a fun episode. I really. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you for doing this with me. Thanks for being patient. <laughs> On that note, I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode of Squintcast. Squintcast. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Squintcast with me, Kelly Booth, and my and your new friend, Brittany Elsner. The Bones theme is performed by The Crystal Method. They can be found on Instagram and YouTube at The Crystal Method and at thecrystalmethod.com. Intro and outro music is by Twisterium at Pixabay. Cover art was done by Irena Dolence Stajan. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Squintcast. Email us at squintcastpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at fab underscore empire underscore on Instagram and TikTok. Brittany is at Brittany81523 on Instagram. See you next time.
Yes. <laughs>